Support for Docs Outside the Box comes from Set for Life Insurance. Set for Life means set for less. Their clients get access to the largest portfolio of discounts and unisex rates available nationwide. Check them out at setforlifeinsurance.com and tell them Dr. Darko sent you. My daughter had graduated college, which was a great thing. And we got back in town. And the next day, I was told that I needed to turn myself in to be charged criminally. So I remember the time I showed up at the police station. They put the handcuffs on my wrist, those cold steel handcuffs that were so tightly pressed against my wrist that was truly painful to ride in a paddy wagon across the street into the jail for processing. Welcome to Doc's Outside the Box podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry, you're getting real life insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. Hey, Docs. Are you looking to learn how to become a physician leader? Then Physician CEO is for you. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program designed for physicians and developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash DOTB. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee, your host of Docs Outside the Box. Thanks for joining me on the next episode. And this is going to be a really good episode. This is going to be really sobering. Now, the first words that you heard on the show, the first quote is from our next guest. That's Dr. Jarrett Patton. And on this show, we've had guests who've talked about really feel good stories about their awakening and realizing how they want to be a doc outside the box, how they want to live a non-traditional life. But this story is going to be a bit different. We're going to take you through some curves, some twists, And this is about how one day you think you have everything, you're on top of the world, you've accomplished everything that you can, and then the next, the rug gets pulled up from under you and you are in the situation that you just heard Dr. Patton was in. So in this episode, we're going to learn about falling from grace, you're going to learn about redemption, as well as how to find your gifts even when you think you've lost everything. Now, not just me, not just you, we all can learn from this episode, trust me. As you're going to hear from Dr. Patton, now he's also authored this book called License to Live, A Primer to Rebuilding Your Life After Your Career Has Been Shattered. It's a great book and you can find it on Amazon. You're going to hear from him that obviously he's not the only one. There are others who are going through situations like this similar. Now, them going through this situation may be justified or it may not be, but if you know someone, if you are someone who's going through something like this, Please share with them this episode. Let them know that they're not alone. Let them know that there's a chance to rehab their career and get them back on their feet. So like I said, this is going to be a great episode. Make sure you share this with other people and let's get on with this interview. Dr. Jarrett Patton, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. What's good, man? How you doing? Man, I'm so happy to be here, Dr. Nee. I am just blessed and happy to be here. So we're not really doing this episode at a normal place. We're not doing it over computer virtually. We're actually doing this live and we're actually at Podcast Moving 18 in Philadelphia, man. So this is a little bit of an odd place to kind of do an episode, but I appreciate you working with me. 
it's the place to be. So I have it no other way. So what brings you here, man? Because you ain't got a podcast. So yes, I'm trying to learn more and more about podcasting these days because after my book, License to Live, I actually wanted to start a podcast called License to Live. So that's good. I want to talk about that book, License to Live. And more importantly, the reason I want to have you on the show is to talk about your career arc, which has kind of reached the highest that it can from professional standpoint to reaching some lows that I think the audience can definitely learn from. And now you're on your way back up again. And I found this story to be really powerful and really compelling. So why don't we just start from the beginning? Let's take it all the way back to the eighth grade, man. Like, tell us about Dr. Jared as an eighth grader, man. Well, you know what? It used to be so much fun because around that time was the transition from the time when I stopped wanting to be a truck driver and started finding you want to be a truck driver. A truck driver. I wanted to drive a Budweiser 18-wheeler and be hauling all over the road. I'd be on my bike as a little kid, riding up and down the neighborhood, up and down the blocks, and couldn't think anything else I wanted to be other than a truck driver. But my academics started to change. My way I looked at life started to change. I started having more interest in science. So I knew that maybe truck driving, although it seemed like a fun time, it was something that I might want to change. All right. So the eighth grade, you started to discover, all right, maybe science is for you. Did you know at that point that, hey, I want to be a doctor or you're just like, I want to be a scientist or astronaut or something like that? I wanted to learn a little bit more about being a scientist. I actually had a great interest in chemistry. So I knew that I wanted to go into the sciences. And it was around that time that I said, I definitely want to go to college. Awesome. So then what was the transition like when you decide, okay, I'm interested in science, but actually I want to be a doctor. What was that like? When did that happen? So I attended Xavier University of Louisiana. Are you serious? Are you another Xavier? XU. People are just really shocked at the sheer number of people who are coming from this school. Like it's like a powerhouse, man. So so you went to Xavier, okay, and you went through their pre-med program and you got into medical school, obviously. Yes, I studied chemistry and I thought it was a great thing, but I knew chemistry just didn't match my personality because I really wanted to work with people. So I knew that going to medical school would be the right thing for me. So you get into medical school, doing your med school stuff. And then obviously you're a pediatrician. You like the kids. Dr. Jared loved the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that transition into becoming an attending. That was a great time. I really wasn't until the fourth year of my medical school that I really knew that pediatrics was where I wanted to be. So I kind of had to backtrack a little bit to do some more intensive studies in pediatrics so I could prepare myself for residency. So I left Case Western Reserve oh, you University. Went to Case Western? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. So that's where I went for He's medical a heavy school. Hitter. <laughs> and, I, and after I left there, I went off to NYU in Bellevue to do my pediatric training. Oh wow. So NYC. Okay. Yes. You lived in Manhattan. So I lived right in there and lived in Brooklyn for a while and just lived the New York lifestyle. Loved it there. Learned so much about pediatrics and I knew right then and there I was going to continue to serve communities in need through my gifts and skills as a pediatrician. Okay, so life's good, right? Life was all good. I went on from New York to move out into eastern Pennsylvania where I was able to work in an underserved clinic. I was able to... Where in eastern PA were you? I was in the Reading area initially. Uh, I'm definitely underserved. Underserved completely. Got a nice outlet. So <laughs> you have a lot of nice outlets out there. <laughs> it's not related to the show, but they got a nice outlet. Everybody in New York knows that part, right? <laughs> so. There was lots of need in Pennsylvania. So I was there. I actually ended up getting a medical directorship at a hospital in Allentown. And from there- I went to Lehigh, so I kind of familiar with that area. Yes, that's right. I forgot you were a Lehigh grad. 
So I actually took some time to continue to build a pediatric practice, but also showcase my leadership skills, which took me from a general staff pediatrician to division chief of general pediatrics to the medical director of the health equity initiative in the hospital. And it took me on to become the medical staff president, where I was overseeing over 1,400 doctors in an eight hospital system. Wow. So what was that transition like going from being like a staff pediatrician to actually like working with the man? What was that like? Like you are the man now, right? Like you are the person who is now you go from being a scrub to being a suit, right? You know that connotation, right? That's right. right. And I'm being as lighthearted as possible, but what was that transition like? I loved every second of it because I was still able to engage with my patients and families. Oh, so you still did clinical work. So I wasn't a complete suit. So there were some days I'd still get those scrubs on or, or have my regular casual attire on. So I was able to take care of families. And that's why I continued to love what I did. I was able to help influence policy change that helped benefit the masses as well as to continue to be there for my patients that were right there in the Lehigh Valley. So as you know, this is Docs Outside the Box. We keep it real on this show. So, I mean, everything can't be roses and going great. So what year into your career, because this is obviously you're at the zenith of your career, right? You're literally having the career arc. What year in your career is this for you? I was about at 14, 15 years in my career at this point where I had made it. I thought I was doing all the right things and I completely was in love with my career. Well, something major happened and it kind of just knocked you off your arc, so to speak. And do you mind talking about that, letting us know? Because this is big. Yes, it certainly is big and it's something I'd love to talk about. And I appreciate being on the show so I can talk about it. I had a standing meeting with some of the hospital attorneys, as I did many of the time. So being a member of the board of trustees of a hospital system, being a senior physician executive, you met with these people periodically. So we sat down in this room and the lawyer had some look of angst in his face and said, well, Jared, I hate to tell you this, but you're under investigation. I looked with a confused look. Wait, wait, so this is a meeting. This is a normal meeting that you normally have to talk about just things. Obviously, you didn't think you were going to be the subject of a meeting. That's correct. I didn't think I was going to be the focus of this meeting. So he said, Jared, I hate to tell you, you're under investigation. As he told me, as I'm confused, why would I be under investigation? He looked at me and said, look, do you know this woman? Show me a Facebook post. He showed me a couple of other pictures. I said, I don't know who she is. And he said, well, she says that you saw her and her infant son about three weeks ago. I said, "Okay, that's possible. I'm sure you guys know. And she said that you were being inappropriate with her in the exam room. And my world stopped. I was sitting in a glass enclosed walled room where I felt like I was in a vacuum. I was being taken away from everything I knew. And he went on to tell me some other things that I barely could hear. It was like someone described, you know how like patients describe when they get the C word, when they get cancer, like you really not listening. You just kind of hear their voice and it's just almost like you're having an out of body experience. Is that something similar? That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like my body was just being removed completely from where I was. And from that point, it led to me being suspended from my job and taking a leave. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's go back though. Like, what about due process and all this stuff? Well, as what is often the case with physicians, the systems are set up so that you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. So in my case, in many other physicians' cases, you actually 
start losing things before you even get to make a statement to defend yourself. So according to their, I guess, the way in which they process things, like you had to be suspended first? Yeah. So the final straw was that the woman said that she was going to the police with this complaint. So it became a police complaint and an investigation. So the hospital ended up being hands off. Wow. So the hospital no longer became an advocate. Basically, this became a criminal case. You had to get a criminal lawyer, like a defense lawyer. That's correct. I had to get a criminal defense lawyer to go throughout this process. So I go from being on top, perhaps giving out discipline, perhaps changing policy to being the one falling victim to these same policies. How long did this meeting last? Oh, the meeting was pretty short. It was probably about 20 minutes. What happened when you walked out? Like, what was that feeling like? Did they leave the room and you're still in there or did you walk out? Like what? Yeah, we're kind of done. And I just walked out in a daze. And it was just all with all the energy I could take from myself to just get myself out the door and get myself home to go talk to my wife and family about what had just happened. So obviously in your mind, you can't recall this event. You don't think you did anything wrong. Like, what is that feeling like, Nick, knowing that, like you said, things are being taken away from you. You know you're innocent. But the next step is, yeah, we can't help you. You need to get a defense lawyer. Yes. So ultimately, when I met with a couple of senior executives, they said, this is what we have to do. You have to go on leave and get yourself a lawyer. That's when I felt like I was by myself. I was on my own. I didn't have the public support of many people because they were just going to let the police investigate the matter and go from there. And that is a extremely lonely feeling. Lots of people who have to go through this type of thing feel like they're all alone and they're the only person this has ever happened to. What was that drive home like? Because I'm sure you're like, what am I going to tell my wife? Yeah, it was just a very long drive. I was thinking, I don't know how to contact a lawyer or a lawyer to find or even what the discussion is going to be when I get home. And uh, I had to tell my wife, who was extremely supportive. And if anything, this even strengthened our relationship in the end. However, it was an extremely difficult time. By the time I was arrested and processed. You were arrested? Yes. I had never had the chance to make a statement to the police department, but they listened to the woman and felt she was credible enough. This is what, the next day or something like that? Uh, No, this is months later. What? Yes, months later, they decided to press charges of indecent assault on me. So at this point in between, you got a lawyer, I'm assuming. Yes, got a lawyer and just waited and waited and waited and waited. Did your lawyer say you had a case or something like that? No, there was never any doubt that this was a ridiculous allegation. So we were just waiting for the police to complete their investigation that we thought would probably just end in, no, there's nothing to this. We'll let it go. And you go back to your job, you go back to your life and you go on with yourself. So still during this time, we're talking months later, you're still on leave. Yes. Not getting a paycheck. That's correct. Not even paid administrative leave. Not until those charges came. Yeah, it was tough. So they came to your house or? My daughter had graduated college, which was a great thing. And we got back in town. And the next day I was told I needed to turn myself in to be charged criminally. So I remember the time I showed up at the police station. They put the handcuffs on my wrist, those cold steel handcuffs that were so tightly pressed against my wrist. It was truly painful to ride in a paddy wagon across the street into the jail for processing. Now, what about the physician community? Did physician friends come to help? How did that? Did you have to reach out to 
other doctors? How did that work? Yes, I had lots of supportive friends and colleagues that couldn't believe this happened. And they it really showed their mind that this type of thing could happen to anyone. So I did have lots of supporters, people that would reach out and check on my well-being, making sure we were okay, making sure things were going well all in all. But it was still an incredibly difficult time where you feel dejected, where you feel at a loss, where you feel like you can't even take care of your family because you're not even employable. And now a word from our sponsor. Understanding how to run a business in medicine will put you at a unique advantage in the future. Whether it's leading a hospital, practice, or starting a new venture, the Physician CEO program will put you in focus from day one. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. The Physician CEO program provides an intensive MBA-style education made up of modules, with each module covering topics from leadership to entrepreneurial ventures. Because of their individualized structure, each participant leaves the program with their one, three, and even five-year business plan, all designed to function in the real world. If you're a physician who is looking to start your own venture, lead your practice or department, or even start planning for succession out of medicine, then you can't afford to miss this opportunity. Class is filling up. Learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Because I know, I mean, as a locums doc, you know, I go to different states. I have to get a different license. I go to different hospitals. I have to do applications. You know, on there, it says, have you ever been convicted or have you ever been charged for anything criminal or anything felonious or, you know, whatever it is, right? So you lost your license. Once this happened, like, did you ever reach back out to this hospital and say, like, help or anything like that? Or was it just kind of like, you're on your own, that's it? Yeah, I was pretty much left on my own. And so it was my own battle to fight. I had to prove myself innocent. Uh, The State Board of Medicine did their investigation. And before I even got to the criminal trial, they returned my licenses unrestricted. So before the criminal case is still coming on, the Pennsylvania State Board of Medical Licenses did a full investigation and they cleared you. Yes. And handed me back my unrestricted license. So I just had to wait some more months until... I could get my day in court. Financially, man, how'd you make it, man? That's a lot of people's thoughts probably right now, like yes. 16 months without a paycheck. Oh, it was extremely difficult. What are we talking about, like going into 401k and stuff? Yes. I mean, let me know if I'm getting too much in your pockets, so, you know? So, so things that started becoming something that you would strive for and you would save for, you would actually say, well, retirement is not a necessity now because we have bills to pay. Luckily, we were savers and we had saved some money, but that would only last so long. It wouldn't last for a year and a half. We actually did dip into some retirement savings. We got financial assistance from friends and families. And there were some things that got us along the way. And it was around that time, as you mentioned, the documentation that it takes when you have to answer yes to any of those licensing questions, my true purpose started to evolve. And I knew that I had to be here to help other physicians and professionals who actually go through these things. And many of them don't recover. So this is probably towards the end. You're starting to feel this like this, though, right? Like yes. your passion is coming through. You're like, yo, this is what I'm supposed to do. But let's take a step back even before that. Like, I'm sure you had to have some times where you had some self-doubt, even some embarrassment. Yes. I'm sure you telling people what's going on. They're looking at you like you're already convicted in their eyes and stuff. Like, That's what was right. that like? Yeah. I mean, so being in the Philadelphia market, having your story broadcasted on all the major news networks, all the. East Coast newspapers, it became one of those things. And knowing that you were walking around out on bail, 
you tend to feel like that you are a criminal because you're treated that way. And the system makes you feel like you are guilty, even though you're innocent. Okay. So months later, the criminal case finishes. Yes. And from what I hear, you were exonerated completely. Completely exonerated. Everybody, including the jury of my peers, was able to see what was really going on. And all the charges were gone. Okay, so this is not even like a not guilt. This is like exonerated. Yeah, so it came to that complete verdict. They judged and they said, all right, go ahead. So I went on with my life to try to repair the damage, but I was emotionally scarred from this and knew that I may not go back into pediatrics the way I prized. Let's talk about this emotional scarring. Like, what is the scarring? Talk to me about that. Yeah, it, it was really tough because I said, if anybody can just walk and say anything and it causes this much angst, especially if you're a high profile or you're a public figure, then maybe it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe this is a sign from up above telling me that I need to be on a different path, doing different things that will help people in a completely different way. So how did you get your positivity back? How did you decide that you wanted to kind of get back on the track, you know, and come back and run your race? Let's talk about that. It was time through a lot of faith, a lot of prayer, a lot of love and support from my wife, my family, my friends. We were able to make it through, realizing that no man can stop you from what you're doing. And it's really God's plan all along that will get you through the point in which you need to be. So tell us about this book, License to Live. It just came out, I want to say, what, earlier this year? Yes. Congratulations, man. Excellent book. Talk to us about it. Why did you decide to write it? Give us a little bit of a brief overview about it. And let's talk about specifically some steps because you're not unique in this situation. I hate to admit, right? You're not unique. Other people are going through processes of whether it's in criminal something or whether it's something you know, related to something they did in a hospital and they may have to give up their privileges and they want to know how to come back. So let's first start with the book. Tell us why you wrote it. Well, I wrote it because it was on my heart. I had been thinking about writing a book for a long time. And one of the things I said, maybe I'll make a novel about this whole saga, but I didn't have the ending yet. And I had the beginning and the rise to the summit and then the crash, but I was still at the bottom. And I said, well, that's not a good story because it doesn't have a happy ending. Right. We need a crescendo, right? We need the good guy to win, right? (laughs) That's right. Okay. So One thing I knew I could do to help immediately is to write License to Live. And I did that for physicians and other professionals that may have been caught up in some of these systems that presume them guilty before they have a chance to gain their innocence. So within that book, I give practical advice that helps them step by step to look at regaining licensure or certifications, to figure out how to weather the financial storm, to figure out how to bring yourself back and maybe find a different purpose in life as time goes on. So I try to wrap this up as a primer to professionals. Once you have that big setback in your career, how to set yourself up to have that greatest comeback. Throughout this process, though, I'm sure you learned about other physicians who are going through something similar. Did you get a chance to really understand like the gravity of this whole issue? How many people go through issues where they have to lose their license? Whether it's they're completely innocent or actually deserved and so forth. Do you know like how many people go through this process at all? Well, I do know that people have been contacting me from all across the country since I've written this book. And there's not a stage I step on to speak. There's not a conference I attend that someone will come up to me and say something similar to this happened to me. And I just didn't know how to handle it. So that validated my reason for the book and my mission for what I continue to do now. And that's really to help everyone remember that they do have a license to live. 
Mm, I love it. No pun intended, right? <laughs> Look at you trying to throw that in there. <laughs> so my man, let's talk to someone who is listening to this show, maybe in a similar situation, criminal or whatever. You know, they're being asked to either, you know, to give up their license or whatever situation. They're really down in the doldrums. Like, give us some tips. Give us like top three tips. I don't want you to give us everything in the book. They got to buy the book, right? But give us like top three things that they need to do to kind of get back on track, you know, mentally, as well as how to get back on their license, things like that. Talk to us about that. Well, one of the things that you have to do is understand the things that are truly important in life. So most of the time, that's going to be your faith and your family and your friends. And you'll know who your true friends are because they're going to be the ones that support you throughout the thick and the thin. I mean, did you have some people that you thought were cool, just bounced and disappeared? Luckily, I didn't have that issue because I knew who my true friends were and they all stood tried and true. And in fact, the opposite happened. I had a lot of friends that I didn't know that I had. They were standing up for me and speaking up and checking in on me on a level that I didn't think I had with people. So I had enhanced relationships as a result of this. So make sure you are looking to your family, friends, and faith as your support system is number one. Number two, make sure you're getting the proper help. And that proper help could be an administrative law attorney if you're dealing with medical boards. It could be a criminal law attorney if you're dealing with a criminal case. It could be a coach or someone that's been there before that can help guide you through some of the pitfalls that could be headed your way. All right, let me ask you a question then. Because sometimes in these situations, doesn't the hospital provide like their own lawyers, their own help in these type of situations or no? Sometimes they do. It really depends on their policy. Should you trust them if they give you their own lawyers? Someone always has to remember the hospital has their own interests at heart. And so at the end of the day, physicians can be a expendable widget in a cogwheel system. In fact, they may not even be able to have any power or say in the situation. So you really should get your own representation and someone that will benefit your own interest. Well, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because there are a lot of people who are listening. If you go through like a medical malpractice claim or if you're going through something similar to your situation where if the hospital does provide, you think that this person may be working on your behalf and saying, well, it's going to be kind of expensive to get my own legal counsel. So you're saying that you should bump all that, get your own legal counsel. You are going to need someone that's going to have your best interest at heart simply because the hospital representation is really going to have the hospital's best interest at heart, which may lead to settlements, what may lead to other unintended consequences just because it's better for the hospital for something to, let's say, go away. All right. So that makes sense. Any advice on how to find a really good legal counsel in that situation? You certainly can look to your networks, ask your friends and your family, ask people you know. If you have good relationships with the hospital counsel, they actually may be able to point you to some good people that will represent you and represent you to the fullest. And if nothing else, you get out there and find out people that have handled similar situations, because particularly as a physician, you have a lot at stake. It's not only your medical licensure, your board, your reputation. You're actually dealing with, and in my case, it was criminal charges that, you know, could have scarred me for the rest of my life. Okay, what's step three? Step three, remember to put it all in perspective. And oftentimes we get in the medical profession and we just think about seeing patients, seeing patients, seeing patients, and that's all we do. Take a step back and look at all the skills, all the gifts you've been given, and you may actually be able to do something bigger and better 
because you can open your eyes. And that's exactly what happened to me. Mm, I love it. Where are you at right now in your life? Because, you know, you're completely exonerated. What does that mean? For example, if you decide to apply for a California license and those questions that we all know come up, do you have to check yes or no? Absolutely. But you were completely cleared, though. I was cleared, but my license was temporarily suspended. My DEA certification was voluntarily relinquished. I was placed under criminal charges, although I was found not guilty. So all of those can be yes questions to a number of those things. So you end up having to check yes to a number of those boxes and be okay with telling your story. It's going to be an essay and (laughs) you're going to have to sort through it all, but it's okay. Are you back on staff anywhere? Are you practicing right now? Yes, I do do some practicing. I've started a small concierge practice. I've also done telehealth, but that's not my main focus now. My main focus is really to helping physicians and professionals who have been caught up in these systems and have been kicked around, disengaged, dissatisfied, or disenfranchised from healthcare. And I help them restart and refresh their career. Love it, man. I thought you were going to throw in another D after that, man. (laughs) I was like, you got it all. Okay. All right. So what's it been like practicing as a concierge physician or even just helping other professionals, other docs who are going through these types of situations? What's it like working with other docs? Yes. Have you seen worse cases than yours? Oh, yes. I have heard a number of stories that have just been incredible. And as a result, I knew I was in the right space. I knew I was able to help some of these professionals, which have been pharmacists, nurses, and other physicians mm, I got you. I got that you. have been caught up in these systems and really didn't know where to go. They needed some advice. They needed some coaching and some help to figure out how to restart and refresh their career in a way that fits their personality and their talents and their gifts. This is really good. The reason why I wanted you on this show was for this exact reason. Like There are people going through this situation and not sure exactly how to recover or didn't even know that there's someone who's out there right now, that being you, who can help them get through this type of situation. So that's why I wanted to get you on the show because you literally are a doc outside the box, man. Like you've been through it, you know what I'm saying? So that's what's up, man. So look, we're getting towards the end of the interview. Let's do some quick, fast fire questions. You game? Let's do it. What's the number one thing you want people to get from this podcast? Well, I want them to know that no matter what you're going through in your career, there is another way. You have to listen to the signs. You have to open your eyes and understand that there's another plan out there. Love it. So how do you stay productive, man? Because you got a lot of things going on. You got a book. You just had another book came up. Tell us the name of that book. That book is called Whose Badass Kids Are Those? (laughs) It's a parent's guide to behavior at every age. All right, man. So like you're practicing, you got two books, probably working on another book. I know you've been in the media. You've been in media how many times now? Oh, it's been over a hundred in the past year. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I speak on stages. The list goes on and on. And so I'm continuing to coach physicians and other professionals. And I realized that this is a way I can serve and do something that's impactful and raise awareness to something that's happening to a number of people in this guilty until you prove yourself innocent set of circumstances we live in. So then how do you stay balanced? Like give me a life hack or some piece of technology that you use to make sure that like you are staying on point. Yes, it's all about organization. And one thing I know as I was ascending the hospital career ladder that I was taking away too much time from my family. And after going through something like this, I realized that career is only a secondary or tertiary part of your life. And so to really enjoy the moment, enjoy the time that you do have on this earth with family, friends, taking the time to enjoy things, keep yourself balanced, make sure that you're eating right, making sure you're exercising, 
all the things that you know we have been telling our patients for years and years and years. But following that advice keeps you whole. I love it. What's one thing that you're proud of that nobody else knows about? So one of the most proud moments I've had that really no one would know is that I have three kids that have all done wonderful things and they're all doing different things and they're living in different parts of the country. Our daughter is in her 20s and so she has her life down south. And my two boys that are coming up right now, they continue to amaze me by excelling in academics, music, and sports. And it just makes me feel blessed every day I wake up and get to spend some time with them. Love it. So look, I know like you, you're a podcast addict right now. You listen to a lot of podcasts. So besides Docs Outside the Box, I know that's number one on your list, <laughs> your go-to <laughs> list. And stuff. Make sure y'all all go and subscribe. What are the podcasts you listen to right now, man? Well, I like The Billionaire Lifestyle. It is one that's really keeps me going. It keeps me pumped. It keeps you motivated. And although people think it's about finance, it's really about living and loving life. And probably my favorite one right now is License to Live. License to Live podcast is a brand new podcast that is out there. And it's designed for those professionals that are disengaged, disgruntled, and disenfranchised and help them find hope and aspiration by listening not only to my story, but other people's stories. Yeah, subscribe to that one too. A little self-promotion ain't too bad. It's cool, it's cool. I'll allow it. All right, so the last one is a statement I want you to finish. It's hashtag, I'm not just a doc, I'm a... Businessman. Okay, I love it. Well, Dr. Patton, this was a really, really good episode, really good interview. I really appreciate you getting real with us because, you know, not many people want to share that type of story and, you know, being at the top as high as you were and being as low as you can go to the point where you may have to serve some time. For you to recover from all that stuff, I'm really impressed by all that. And then being able to tell your story and let other people know about it and help other people is something that I think is really a great thing. I just want to acknowledge you on your resilience for that. And not just being resilient, but also wanting to help others, using your gifts and your talents and what you learned from that situation to turn negativity into positivity and help other people. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you so much, Dr. Nee. I tell you, it's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. And thank you for having me. So listen, how can people learn about you? How can they find out about your podcast? How can, if they need to utilize your services, tell them how they can get in contact with you, man. You can find me on any type of social media at Dr. Jarrett. You spell out the word doctor. That's J-A-2-R-E-1-T or drjarrett.com. And that's a wrap. Woof. Dr. Jarrett kept it real, brought it to us 100% on Docs Outside the Box, but we like it like that. And um, I also want to thank him for being a consummate professional. I kind of blindsided him at Podcast Movement and asked him if he wanted to interview for the show and he was ready to go and you got what you hear. I also want to clarify one thing. I know there's a little bit of confusion as to if he was exonerated versus found not guilty. Just to clarify things, the case went all the way to jury and he was found not guilty by the jury. So I just wanted to clarify that. Once again, please, Share this episode with people who you think will definitely benefit from hearing something like this. And also, I'd like to hear your feedback on this episode. Make sure you reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter or even Instagram. And I'm going to catch you guys on the next episode. But one thing, remember one thing, we only got one life. Let's make it count and live outside the box. Peace.